Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on this Wednesday episode. We're at war this Wednesday, even though a lot of politicians and media want to act like we are not. And I'm not talking about proxy wars. I'm not just talking federal policy. But we're going to dive into that a little bit more closely after inspiration. Our inspiration today is going to be the water of life. Andrea's home life was unstable, and she left at 14, finding a job and living with friends. Yearning for love and affirmation, she later moved in with a man who introduced her to drugs, which she added to the alcohol she already drank regularly. But the relationship and the substances didn't satisfy her longings. She kept searching, and after several years, she met some believers in Jesus who reached out to her, offering to pray with her. A few months later, she finally found the one who would quench her thirst for love. That was Jesus. The Samaritan woman at the well whom Jesus approached for water found her thirst satisfied too. She was there in the heat of the day, probably to avoid the stares and gossip of other women who would have known her history of multiple husbands and her current adulterous relationship. When Jesus approached her and asked her for a drink, he bucked the social conventions of the day, for he, as a Jewish teacher, would not normally have associated with a Samaritan woman. But he wanted to give her the gift of living water that would lead her to eternal life. He wanted to satisfy her thirst. When we receive Jesus as our Savior, we too drink of this living water. We can then share a cup with others as we invite them to follow him. Heavenly Father, you welcome all who are thirsty to come to the waters and drink. Please satisfy our thirst through your living water. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we need a lot more living water and people that want to satisfy a thirst for wisdom. And it's interesting, this topic today, that we are at war and we don't even know it oftentimes. Or maybe it's the political ruling class that that doesn't know it. And I'm not talking about the war in Ukraine. Obviously, lots of foreign policy bungles by the current administration. That weakness pulled out of Afghanistan it's, it's not all a federal thing that we're at war with because we, we're kind of at war with ourselves. What I mean is that you look at these policies, you know, what's going on, what has happened in Israel. A lot of that has to do with weakened American policies and also policies that emboldened those terrorists because America just gave them a whole bunch of money through not keeping that money locked up. And, and then, of course, a negotiation for a trade that had to do with that money and also, you know, a trade for for prisoners. When you're trading for prisoners of war, you're probably still at war until a conflict is completely resolved and neither side is holding captives, you're still at war, right? But the captives are not just those overseas. Some of those captives are right here in the United States. And we have a leadership that we look at the federal level, we look at the federal spending, we look at state government, the growth in government. It's like our government's at war with us with the tax dollars. It's almost theft at this point, like a violation of the Constitution where we're being forced to house the enemy, really. The way we're being forced to house the enemy, I'll explain through a longer story. 
So I was getting a haircut and the gals cutting my hair and talking about life and the things that are going on. And, and so many people are discouraged. Now I, I, I don't want this to be a discouraging show because I think there's hope. I think there's things that we can do. I think that if a lot of people started looking past the confusion, past the 15 second media cycle that drags you down another road of despair, look past that. There are solutions. There were things, America, Washington State, City of Spokane, put your city's name in the gap, used to do that were effective when we weren't at war with ourselves. So there's an interesting concept here. This gal's like, what are the drugs, the safety, the stuff that, that's going on in places all over the world, but really just in our own community, the theft, she had to change jobs because she was tired of seeing not just the business be ripped off, but the customers, the investors, everybody that that has a part to play in a business existing is being stolen from when you have this massive theft going on and a criminal justice system that seems like it's not dealing with it because your state government keeps on reducing penalties on crime and reducing the focus on crime. We talked about it on this show, community custody. What does that mean? These are not terms. It means that we're not getting paid to continually keep turning over criminals to the authorities. And two hours later, they're back out on the streets in another neighborhood with somebody else chasing them down for community custody to turn them in again. Right. Yeah. It means that you're still on hold with the insurance company trying to make a claim for damaged personal property while the criminal is out victimizing someone else because we're not holding them accountable, but there's solutions to this stuff. And, and so the, the gal cutting my hair said, you know, so I, these are all frustrating things. What's the solution? I said, well, you got, do you got some time? You asked the wrong guy. I kind of look at this stuff a lot. And she says, well, I'll make time. If, you know, we got to do something. The, this chaos can't continue. I told her, you know, some of this chaos is man-made chaos the politicians, the politics, the people that are agenda-driven. Elections are, have consequences. Well, elections have consequences, but we've also empowered people that want to distract us, lie to us, tell us misinformation about misinformation that's really truthful, right? It's not a conspiracy theory. Wait six months, it'll be a headline. So I told her, I said, looking at the our local area, if we were going to do something that would make the greatest impact on crime, of course, we've got uh, ballots out and we've got this issue of camping. It's amazing that we have to have a camping ordinance to stop people from trespassing, from illegally residing near where children are educated. Why are we even voting on that? Why do we have people even arguing against it? Things that we have seen go on in those camps. You right. really want it on the sidewalk right outside the playground next to the school or, or next to the daycare? Right. Are you kidding me or right now? Or in your now? city park. So we've let a fringe radical element create terms like community custody, right? If they're in community custody, they're not in custody. They're out in the community where they can create more victims, right? Criminals. We, we let them create narratives that are just absurd which most people, if they look into it, don't buy into. And I think that's where the hope is, is that a lot of people are waking up. 
like the gal that was cutting my hair that had to leave a job that just disgusted her because of the crime and the theft and things were going on. And I told her, first thing that makes sense to do to take care of the bulk issue is it's not a homelessness problem. It's not just a crime problem. It is a transient drug addicted criminal element. So how do they fund all their drugs? Well, theft is part of it, but it's welfare fraud. Drug test for welfare. Oh, you can't do that. The children are starving. You know, that's the narrative we're told. And she's like, so the, the gal actually paused. She's like, oh, yes, that is exactly what we need to do. Drug test for welfare. Because obviously these people are getting lots of subsidies. We looked at the homeless industrial complex spending tons of money. Well, did it get all those people off of drugs? No, we have more homeless now in Spokane than we had before we spent, you know, $30 million. And the reason why is because if you build it, they will come. Unlike the measure one on the ballot, most things, if you build it, they will come. If you build infrastructure to give people lots of free stuff and food stamps and free toiletries and all sorts of different things, the drug addicts are going to show up from all over the place. They're going to be like, Spokane is the place to be if you like drugs. And so we built it. And guess what? They came. It's pretty obvious. So in Washington state, if we wanted to solve this drug addled camping criminal element, retail theft, property crime issue, drug test for welfare, we are subsidizing our own poison. We're subsidizing the crime rates. We're subsidizing the, the welfare fraud that's helping pay for the drugs. Cause we all know they're selling their food stamps. Then they're stealing stuff. They're getting free stuff. Those things are being sold. Right? When they go in and they empty a shelf of skin cream, you know that that person's not using all that skin cream to look young again. They're selling it on the internet, pennies on the dollar, so that they can get more drugs. So drug tests for welfare. They say, oh, the children will go hungry. Wait a minute. We've been saying that about a lot of different things. And so we have school lunch programs that do breakfast, lunch. They send food home. Plus that family's getting food stamps. You're like... Where is the food subsidy going if they're getting $500 for this small family, $600, $800 for food, plus they're getting cash on their EBT card? How come the kids are going to the summer school lunch program and getting food backpack program for the weekends? Well, of course, everybody knows that the food stamps are getting sold and they become currency on the street. They're, They're getting drugs. We can't keep beating around the bush with these problems because there's so many problems that politicians say they're going to solve, but they just want to throw money at the same things that aren't working. And when we look, obviously at the local level, you can't close up the, the border and stop the drug cartels. But if you stop funding the activities of the people that are the clients for the drug cartels, you're not going to see as much of it, right? So you build this complex structure of nonprofits and and giveaway programs and i'm not i don't want to criminalize homelessness i've said that a number of times i want to criminalize criminality because guess what welfare fraud is a crime if you are selling your benefits or if you're using your housing for human trafficking or drug trafficking it's welfare fraud it's actually against the law. So let's just criminalize criminality. You know, if there's homeless individuals uh, that are truly homeless because they're in need, had a healthcare situation pop up, they can't. We have programs for those people. So, anyways, this gal cut my hair. She was just like, yes, let's start there. But then there's other places 
that we need to go with policy because they said, oh, we stopped the war on drugs because it didn't work. Really? It didn't work. Well, it seemed to be more effective than what's going on now. So the war on drugs is just waging its war on us and our surrounding communities. And what it does is it doesn't just create a drug addiction problem. It doesn't just leave over 100,000 U.S. citizens dead last year. What it does is it leaves destroyed families. It leaves children without fathers and mothers. It puts people into incarceration away from their families. It creates more individuals that are liabilities on the taxpayers, the state, and they're not productive members of society. So I think it's not compassionate to keep feeding people the poison that's killing them. And we have to start making those decisions or we're going to lose the war. And it seems like our policies on the home front right here in our own state, right here in our own city, according to our city council, and the way that they've been acting is they're going to continue going down this road and we know where it leads. It doesn't lead us away from the wars that we're battling within here, like the war on drugs, the war on homelessness, the war on poverty. We're losing all of those. And why? Because their policies don't work. We know they don't work. We know that there's policies that can work and we should demand that we quit being at war with ourselves, with our tax dollars. And there's other wars being waged with our tax dollars that we can talk about after we take a break. But we have to start thinking about this in in reality, in the terms that it's in. It's not just the one incident, the one crime, the one retailer that closes their doors because of theft. This is not something that's going to go away. This is not something that our politicians should be able to dodge. And by the way, you got ballots in hand if you haven't voted already. And it's, it's time to start talking to these politicians with a real voice of, okay, we understand the problem. Don't set up another task force to study the problem. Don't set up another commission to look into the problem. Start taking actions. Start holding other elected officials accountable, like at the state level. Start pushing the envelope on getting good policy that's effective in place in your the city you're in, the county you're in, the school district you're in. We should no longer wage this war on ourselves with our tax dollars and put our government in a place that there's more and more money than ever in government, but the things that it's not accomplishing are getting worse. All right, we're going to take a break and there is a little bit of hope on the other end, so don't go anywhere. And welcome back to this episode on Right Spokane Perspective. It is a we are at war with ourselves this Wednesday episode. And the reason why is because we're allowing special interests and it's actually special interest from both sides of the political aisle to maintain the status quo. The politicians, the government agencies that exist under the status quo don't want change because they don't want the problem solved because that doesn't grow the bureaucracy. They can't hire their cousin to run another aspect of uh, whatever ABC agency if the problem's start getting resolved. You know, I've got some examples I can I can bring up here in just a moment, but the war on ourselves, we talk, I talked about welfare fraud in the first half. And you look at government, state government, we went from a $23 billion budget in 2003 to now 2023, $70 billion budget. You can't have that kind of growth and still have a citizenry that's not taxed out of their shorts. Now, come on. What, what if my budget grew? Wouldn't you just fund me? I mean, you're my husband. You go to work. I, yeah, right. Well, truth the, be known, you just let me spend the money. So my budget has now grown. 
Okay, so I need right. some more. Well I, well, I work extra overtime so that our budget grew. But the problem is, is my overtime doesn't pay for near as much because, well, it's taxed at a higher rate. And and also... But it's the, only 50000 It's the, only growth of 50000 Yeah. It, right? Why are you so worried about it? Growth, growth of 50000 What? There's no way I could afford that. Are you kidding me? So, I mean, but that's the insanity that government is doing where if you look at a household budget and you looked at that kind of growth, you, you just went from being a con construction laborer, con, oh, that slipped out, a construction laborer to being a heart surgeon. A heart, you know, so that's the difference in your income because uh, that's what was required because of inflation, taxes. And the heart and attack that you just had because I said we were going to grow by $50,000. You had to do your own heart surgery. Oh, yeah, surgery. just, yeah, well, just, you know, <laughs> just dream up the money. Well, the federal government printed a lot of money and it created problems. So, I mean, it was like a couple weeks ago now, three or four weeks ago, there was a newspaper article in the Northwest section which is weird because the man was from arkansas but he pleaded guilty to 16.5 million in covid fraud here in washington state here in spokane area he received over 300k for two spokane businesses for for covid and what's interesting about these government programs like you looked at the unemployment debacle of a few years back where they called the nigerian print scam where the unemployment insurance, which some states actually have privately run unemployment insurance, and it's a lot less costly for employers. But the, the state-run system is extremely costly here in Washington state. But they were scammed for, I believe it was $500 million. I don't know if that number actually went up. I don't know of any new reporting that, that occurred. Washington State Unemployment Insurance scammed for $500 million, and I believe they recovered some of that, that fund, but they actually had employees of that agency whose identities were used for fraud by a foreign government or a foreign, you know, Nigerian print scam. So government isn't always the solution, and we have more and more people saying government's is the solution, and uh, we just had this uh, last uh, week, an article, you know, talking about the homeless issue, the Catholic charities not receiving government funding to create new facilities. So there was discussion about moving Catholic charities out of its downtown, I believe it's East Pacific Avenue location, because of course, downtown has become a huge problem. If you build it, they will come. And in the first half, I didn't quite get to that measure one piece. If you build a jail, I think less criminals will come. But if you build a whole bunch of free stuff, a place where people can have access to lots of drugs, you're going to get the behaviors that you subsidize. And if you encourage certain behaviors, you're going to get more of them. And so we have the idea of moving Catholic charities. Again, we're at war with ourselves here. We're moving it in. We're paying for it. We're subsidizing it. And so you move it. Well, what did that do? It just changed the location of the problem, but also they want to expand it. So we're, we're talking about the idea of moving Catholic charities from the East Pacific location to another location that they want to be five acre parcel of land, a five acre parcel of land, $15 million in just capital building costs. And they want us to pay for it. And, and they want, well, actually, this was kind of a, the, the article kind of a, was a dig politically 
through the by the newspaper um, on the current mayor, which is really ironic to me because uh, I know that the Spokesman Review knows the funding process goes through the city council. The mayor doesn't get to just fund things. That's the city council, our representative government, which we're at war with ourselves. You buy stuff that's advertised in the local press or or national media, and the media goes out there and lies to you or misrepresents the truth, right? You know, they weren't lying. They were just intentionally misleading. But that was kind of a dig at the, at the, the mayor here in the city of Spokane. In all reality, the problem that we're facing, is it going to be solved by saying, well, we just need to build another 15 apartment complexes to put people in that are homeless, i.e. addicted to drugs, don't want to work, and go out and commit crimes during the day when they're not in housing, right? That Because they have nothing better to do. That, that, that's what we want to create more of here in the city of Spokane. And, of course, we know that there's a lot of people coming here because how generous the services are. So do we really want to expand that? I mean, I, I see the, the reason why folks that are in the downtown, that live in the downtown, that do business in the downtown would like those services to somewhat leave the downtown core so that people feel safe coming to their businesses or feel safe getting to and from work and going to their apartments downtown, but tripling or quadrupling the capacity of yet another facility when we already created more facilities in several different places. I mean, we've created the apartments, which by the way, have become a hotspot for crime. If you look at the crime stats with the Spokane Police Department, we built it and they came. Three apartment units. I think one's Volunteers of America, one's run by, I think, Catholic Charities, uh, and the other one's run by... Salvation Army? Yeah, and I believe the other one is run by Salvation Army, yeah. And, of course, then you've got low-income housing that's being built all over the city. We're in a position now where in the spoke... We talk about infill and creating housing and the cost of housing. We're building more low-income, which means subsidized housing, and homeless transitional housing, then we're building actual, what they would call affordable housing. I kind of hate that term because every time they say it, it gets more expensive. And most of what we're building, people can't own. It's not the American dream. It's the American war on the American dream. And the next debate will be on the name change because Spokane will now be Spokago. Spokago, yeah. We have flats, we have projects. Or sp- Where do you want to live? Spokago, Spokago. Or, or, or Spiatle. Spiatle? Spiatle. Uh, Could be Spiatle. There's the debate. Is it going to be Spiatle or is it going to be Spokago? What, what, what about Sportland? Yeah, it could Sportland. be Sportland. Could yeah. be Sportland. Crime, homelessness, and drugs. It's All a, around your it, sports arena. It, it's a sport in Sportland. Yeah, and I, and I think that most of the residents don't want that to happen. But we have to ha- start having... Adult conversations, real conversations. I'm tired. I'm tired paying taxes. We pay a lot of taxes. We're the highest tax county in eastern Washington, highest tax city in eastern Washington. We're one of the highest tax states in the country, and we're not creating the outcomes that they're promising with all the money that we're spending. We just keep spending more and more and more. But there is solutions. When you're at war and you're losing more than you're gaining, as far as ground goes, when you see more loss of life, which is really another thing, if, if we're truly compassionate country, if we're a compassionate state, if we're a compassionate city. We wouldn't continue to watch these people completely denigrate themselves. And die. I mean, they're, they're dying. 
they're not only are they denigrate the, the they drugs are somebody's baby they're they are somebody's child they're gonna die early they're they're certainly not going to be living into their golden years and many of them are overdosing some of them are dying because of homicidal criminal behavior you know there are those stats too so if we were compassionate if we really cared how our money was being used and wanted it to be used more effectively we'd quit being at war with ourselves and we'd start making wise decisions elected officials can do that our state government to the can do that. Our local governments can file lawsuits against the state if they were doing things that are demonstrably stupid. And that's what our state has done. We've talked to our local sheriff. We've talked to our local police chief. They are transferring the cost of incarceration from state prison system to our local area, which is why we have to do the measure one to build a jail, it's because our state government is deciding they want to empty their jails, and they have. You can tell they've emptied their jails. I think this, the statistic we were given by the police chief was the state prison system in a short period of time went from 18,000 inmates down to 13,000. Yeah, you know where they are? Spokane County Jail. Well, some of them are in Spokane County Jail, but there isn't room there. There hasn't been an extra room there for a couple decades. No, they're out on the street. They're in your communities. They're the ones that are committing the crimes. They're the ones that are creating an underbelly of criminal activity that is exacerbating already a bad situation. That's why our homeowners insurance rates are going up. That's why we see more and more people have given up and they're not even reporting the criminal behavior unless they have to fill out, out a insurance claim and need a report number. The solutions are very easy. Oh, you can't drug test for welfare. Then you're just going to have homeless people everywhere. No, you're not. It's called accountability. You and I have to drug test in order to go to work. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the industry does. Most of our public servants, well, except for our politicians, have to drug test. And if you do that, you can have treatment options. You can create alternative programs for people that can't pass a drug test. But the systems we have in place aren't working. What is the definition of insanity, it's doing the same thing over, over and, over, and again over again and expecting a different result. We're going down a road where we're actually allowing political arguments to go on. And of course, there's freedom of speech, whatever. Got some crazy elected official that wants to, you know, have community policing where you have community custody and we don't need jails anymore. I don't care what drugs people have done in the past, but their political ideas that spurred from that moment of LSD isn't a policy I want to pay for. And I think the rest, most of the community agrees with me that at some point in time, there has to be some level of accountability. But I think that that goes just beyond. We're looking at this war that we're waging against ourselves. It goes beyond just holding criminals ac accountable. I think we have to hold politicians accountable. That's why elections matter. And I think that the public needs to be more engaged with holding government accountable when their community is ravaged. It is government's obligation. Politicians take an oath of office to support and defend the Constitution and the Charter, right? The reason why we have property rights and these natural rights that the government's supposed to protect is because obviously it's your property. You can't just, I mean... You just let people damage it? Oh, well, I, I did own a car, but it got stolen, and, and that's fine. That was a person that was in community custody. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't think that's a reality that we want to live, but it's the reality we are living. And the solution 
not just drug tests for welfare. There's lots of different policies, but we can't just see government grow without solution. You don't spend money in your house that way. People don't spend money in their businesses that way, or we wouldn't have businesses and none of us would have housing. They talk about the cost of housing. Well, some of that has to do with vandalism to construction equipment when people are trying to build housing, right? There, there's costs that you, you just, we're, we're looking at it now where people just build in the cost of bad behavior more and more into public infrastructure, private projects. Rent prices. Because, you know, when they're on the drugs and they're destroying the inside of that apartment and the landlord's got to come in and they got to bandage it all up so that somebody else could move in. Well, totally remodel a, a unit after somebody came and destroyed it. And you got the state government coming in telling the landlords that, you know, they want to control the way they rent out their private property. and But they don't want to control the people that are damaging it. That's right. And so what happens? Well, that landlord has to tax basically the rest of the renting community to subsidize the damages that they're the going to have to repair. The, right. Obviously there's a way we can move back to sanity and that's not buying the narrative of community custody or free housing or free. There is, there is no free. There was only fraud. Somebody paid for something It's time somewhere along the way. It's time to stop the war. On ourselves. All that being said, we'll be with you folks again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.